I'm your host, Riem Zinlabidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Adam Fraser. He's a solution architect at Zyverge and one of the top contributors to a Scala library called Zio. I know Adam from the Scala community. He's a conference speaker, a writer, and a mentor about functional programming and about Zio in general. I'm very excited to have him today. Now, let's meet him and learn more about his journey. Hello, Adam. Welcome to TikTok. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, uh, really happy to be here with you. I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, introduce yourself, maybe to know you more and uh, tell us some fun facts about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm, I'm Adam. Uh, it's Adam Fraser. Uh, I am a big contributor to Zio, which is a library for asynchronous and concurrent programming in Scala. And I work with a company called Zyverge that is kind of behind, supporting uh, Zio and supporting companies using Zio technology. And I, I started that with, uh, with John and Sandra and Inamar. And I guess aside from that personal life, I live in Los Angeles. So I get very nice weather most of the time, but I don't really get seasons. And for fun, aside from uh, coding stuff, I, um, I like to do some uh, physical stuff of like biking and running and stuff like that. And I'm also into these kind of like geeky board games. So I know you're in Germany. So I, I mean, like the Germans have lots of the, the geeky board games yeah. and you know, they have the <laughs> Spiel des Jahres and all this stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, I guess, a little bit about me. <laughs> cool. How did you start uh, uh, developing your passion about programming? So for me, it started back in, well, I guess way, way back, I did a little bit of like VBA Excel stuff, which is like, you don't want to be coding in like Excel. Um, but I think it uh, started for me back in 2014. And I was working in finance at the time. And I felt like the intersection of finance and technology was becoming more and more important. Uh, where historically there was maybe just like this guy who he like read the Wall Street Journal, he'd just be like, oh, I think General Electric's going to go up. And he kind of just like, oh, then let's buy some General Electric. And like it was becoming more important to like merge the human insights with the, with the technology. And so I started learning about that myself. And I, I think uh, first I did Java class uh, online. Um, I think like one of the ones from like Stanford that was like on Coursera or something. And then I did Martin Oderski's Coursera course. Uh, and I really, I really liked that. And then I started doing some stuff on uh, just on my own. Um, and it kind of evolved from like Java without semicolons to getting like a little bit like maybe more functional to small at first and then a little bit more like functional in the in the large. Um, and I, I kind of used that in some of my own work. Um, but then it wasn't until 2019 that I had been getting more and more excited about the technology aspect. And I kind of said like, okay, if I want to make something of this and I don't just want it to be like me just doing it on my laptop, I got to like start interacting with other people. And I'd been watching a lot of videos and seeing stuff about uh, Zio from John. And I felt like this was kind of the direction of the future. So I started contributing and 
it's really funny. If you look at like my first poll request, it was like really modest. It was basically like someone had already said, like, we need to do this thing. Here's like the code that you basically like need to like put in your poll request. And despite me like using that code, there were still a bunch of issues and like John got involved and, but it was a really great learning experience for me. And then I just like kept doing pull requests and especially uh, around when I was getting started contributing, uh, Zio test was just getting started. And so I did a lot of pull requests for that. I tried to basically pick up almost every issue that <laughs> came out for that and did more for Zio in general. And then uh, I think we started to see this commercial opportunity where these companies were adopting Zio even before it had a 1.0 release. And so then I kind of said, well, okay, I'm just going to, I want to just do this as my, as my full-time thing. So that's been a little bit of my journey. That's cool. And how was your education path? Was it related to programming? <laughs> it wasn't related to programming at all. Uh, so my college major, I actually double majored in chemistry and philosophy, and then I went to law school. So I had like no computer science background. So I definitely had some people who were like telling me like, Adam, like, what are you doing? This is a joke. Like, you don't have any computer science degree. How are you ever going to do this? But I was really, yeah, excited about it. And so I would definitely encourage everyone, like, don't let stuff like that stop you. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I will go back a bit about when you were uh, in a different field. How yeah. did you get to the inspiration to start uh, learning about programming in general? Uh, well, I... I like I, I was, I was doing this investing stuff and I felt like the technology aspect was becoming more and more important. And there was one other company that was kind of in a similar field called Bridgewater that they, I know they were using some stuff with Scala. And so I was like, okay, well, I should learn something about that. And so, yeah, I really, I just started with these online courses and it's one of those things that like it started small and it snowballed because now it's a, it's a big part of what, uh, what I do. But I think what got me excited about it was just this idea of um, kind of being able to do something like figure out something once and then just have it done versus like doing it again, mm -hmm. where like you even think about like, if you have like an Excel spreadsheet, right? Like maybe, you know, you're, you've got to make a certain report every week and you know, you start out, well, just every week you have to move the stuff around and you have to get in the right format so you can send it out. And you're like, boy, wouldn't it be great if I could just like write like something that would like describe that logic so I could like describe it once and I never had to actually do it again because it would just like run every week. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if you don't know programming, I think you can like have that idea, but you don't really know how to express that. And so that's, I think, what got me really excited about like programming is this idea of like, if you can figure out something once, if you can figure out the right way to do it once, then you can like put it down and like at least that one little problem is always solved for you. And maybe that's only a small part of all the problems you have, but if you can kind of solve that problem and maybe tomorrow you solve another little problem and you keep putting those together, especially you know, with, if you're working with other people and if like the pieces you're putting together are, are solid, you pretty quickly get to the point of having something that's like very impressive and like does real things. Yeah, and you learned programming by yourself from online courses, right? Yeah, I, I started with all the online courses. I, I did the, um, yeah, I did the Coursera ones from Martin Oderski. 
And then later on, I did some like Python ones and I just read a lot of articles and blog posts and I had some of my own projects. During that time, you are at the same time working, right? Yeah. And like, sometimes I think that it could be uh, maybe difficult to keep going, doing something else than work. And uh, what was the motivation or how, like how it was that you kept learning about uh, programming at that yeah. time? Yeah, well, I, I think it was a, it was a combination maybe of two things of one was that idea of like, I wanted to be able to um, express some of these things once and I wanted to be able to like do them a lot of times. So like even I, I started to use some of this for like the work I was doing and I wanted to like be able to get some data from Bloomberg and I wanted to be able to do various like analyses and kind of algorithms based on that. And so I had this idea of like, well, here's, I want to get this data and I want to look at it this way and do this thing with it. But like, I had to have a way to actually like do that. And so that was, I think, sometimes like a forcing function of like, you know, I initially I had one thing where I had these like actors, they were all sending messages to each other. And like, I had to learn about all this ACA stuff. And, and later I had learned about different stuff. So I think that was like one part of it. And I think the other part of it is I just got like really excited about some of these ideas, in particular, like some of the functional programming ideas when you like, see them for the first time they can at least for me they can be like very beautiful and elegant and that can be really compelling of i mean even some of the like simpler ones i think sometimes are maybe the most compelling of when you just like initially like you're learning all these collection operations and you have these maps and these folds and all these things and when you like just learn about this idea of like the um, the monoid or if you want to call it like the just having like an associative operation an identity element and you see like how many collection operations you can write in terms of that it's like whoa amazing um and so like yeah. i think then you like want to say well boy like how can i explore these ideas more and how can i actually like use them so they're not something that just like sits on the shelf but they're actually something that is like part of what i'm doing yeah, and I think it is uh, a nice motivation, let's say, that you had a goal to achieve. Like, in order to achieve that goal, you need to learn about these things and put them in practice directly. Because it would be a bit boring if just it's like learning, like we used to learn in, um, in school, uh, just learning theoretically, but putting that in by example and using it uh, uh, at your work, uh, I think it is a uh, good uh, motivation. Yeah, yeah. I think having some type of project, whether it's your work or just something for fun that excites you, of even you want to make this little web app or something, I think that's a really good like way to get practical and say, okay, I need to like, what do I need to do to make this work? <laughs> what are all the pieces that need to fit together? Yeah. But I think one of the things I really think about looking back in retrospect is. I, I think it would have, I would have learned even faster if I started contributing to open source earlier. Cause like there was that pretty long period where I was just kind of doing things myself and I was definitely learning and that was good. But I think I started learning even faster once I like started contributing to things and getting feedback and having people use those things more widely. So I think there can be like a little bit of like a scary factor of like contributing to a project for the first time and even just like setting up the tooling and stuff. But I, I think I would really recommend if other people are like 
on a similar journey that they try to do that even earlier. Because I think the earlier you start contributing and interacting with other people, the faster you're going to learn. And it also just like makes connections for you and makes starts to build a reputation for you where like you have other opportunities. Yeah, that's true. And uh, your contribution was great. Uh, it has a huge change. <laughs> like when it started with the Zio test, I think Zio test, uh, testing your programs using Zio test, I always remember that you put that together and um, you participated on the design, etc. It's really a uh, great work. Well, thanks. And you are also helping people uh, who are uh, contributing or also using Zio. Being in, um, in the community, it's also, I think, uh, valuable. Yeah, well, it, it's valuable both ways, I think, because one of the things I, I always think about is like, I, I feel a real sense of responsibility having like written something like that of when someone is using that, they're kind of putting their trust in you. They're saying like, hey, I like trust this thing is going to solve my problem. And I want to make sure that I like honor that trust. So like if they have a problem, I want to be there to answer it for them and help them with it. And I think it also really helps improve it because you see what's not working for people or what people are having questions about. And then you try to improve that and put that back into, into the software so it's even better. Yeah. And working... Uh on uh, a library that uh, is used by a lot of companies also offers more opportunities to work in different projects using this library that you can also offer your service to them. Yeah, 100%. I usually ask about like, how did you get your first job? Like, can you share some of your experience? Yeah, well, my journey was maybe a little bit different because I, I started doing this a little bit later on. So after after college and law school like i i worked a bunch of jobs just in more like business and finance of so i worked in consulting and then i worked in finance so I, I think my challenge was more breaking into technology and software development after that because i had done all these things but none of them were doing software development and so i think looking for that original job was like really hard and like especially at the beginning was like basically just like running into a wall of like, it wasn't getting anything because I kind of say, well, I know about this stuff and I've taken these classes, but I've never done this before. And I didn't really have like a body of work. And generally when people are hiring, they want the person who's like just done that thing versus just like a smart person. And I think that's where the open source stuff really helped me, uh, where it just started to I mean, it's amazing, I think, how small these communities can be of just as you start to do these contributions, you just start to get to know people like you and I got to know each other. Yeah. Or now I know a lot of different people in the in the Zio community and they start to know that like, hey, this person can actually do the work. And even if maybe you haven't met them yet, they can even vouch for you then. And especially if you meet them at conferences or other events, then you get people who can kind of support you. And so based on the, some of the work that I'd done with Zio, then like I was in a position where like John could recommend me. And then like I, I started to get some entry level like opportunities. But I, I think at that point we were starting Zyverge and I was really excited about the opportunity there. And so that really just been, been amazing and been a dream come true. But I think it was that open source work in both the 
body of work there as well as the connections I made there that really helped kind of turn me from someone who was like, oh, I kind of say I know this stuff to other people can look at me and say, okay, we could be confident that Adam can help us with our problems here. Yeah, that's true. And uh, which kind of uh, challenges that you have faced? Uh, are there some uh, challenges that you have like learned from them? Well, I, I think the first thing was just like, I think there's like a little bit of a hump to get over and just contributing in the first place because, and, and even things that I think are maybe simple to us now, like getting like your GitHub set up and knowing like how to like do the like pull requests and stuff. There are some like basic things that like now it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's just like riding a bike, but when you were first doing it, it's like, how do I do this? And you kind of uh, sometimes even now like tooling, like if you don't have the, the tooling doesn't work, like you're, it's, it's hard to get it to work at the first time. And until it works, it just like, doesn't work. And you kind of feel like you feel stupid asking people about like, oh, like I can't get my SVP set up or like, how do I like merge the branch? So I, I think that's like one thing that I had to get over. And then just starting to do the contributions really helped me. And then I think there are just over time, they're different, like probably with any learning process, you kind of. It's like, it's kind of a staircase of you have some times where you're just like doing your thing. And then you have some times where you've got to like learn more about something to go to the next level. So like there was definitely one period where I think I was um, starting to implement like lower level concurrent data structures. And I had to like learn more about like concurrency and maybe not even learn, but sometimes it's like internalize it where like you can read about something and like a book and you can kind of understand it theoretically, but then when you have to apply it to a new problem, uh, there's like another learning process of you kind of taking those things that you read and making them instead of someone else's ideas, really making them your own. So you like know how to apply them. Yeah. And uh, during your daily job now with Diverge, you are contributing and also working in different uh, companies, right? Yeah, I, yeah. So I, I work with different companies that are adopting Zio to help them either solve problems with Zio or move legacy code bases to Zio. And then I'm also working on continue to improve our open source software. And so it's been it's been really interesting. And I think it also adds like a a human element to it that can sometimes be be challenging in, in all of these things and something maybe we're less trained on with just the software development yeah. of um, doing all this stuff in a way that gets people excited and motivated and brings them together of like, even on the open source stuff, sometimes you have someone who like, they've got something and maybe it's not quite the way you think it should be. And you wanna make sure that you have the high code quality standards and you make sure that the end thing is up to those standards, but you also wanna be open to their ideas and you wanna, adapt as much as you can to that. And so I think that's another like just psychological thing and like a different mindset that you've also got to think about. Yeah, I think it's uh, an important step, I think, to learn about uh, how to work within the team and also how to communicate yeah. uh, different ideas with different characters because humans are more complicated than software. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> as complicated as we try to make software <laughs> uh, more more <laughs> yeah definitely yeah do you find the time uh, between working 
like in this uh, consulting different uh, companies and for uh, responding to the questions of the users in Discord and in different platforms that ask about uh, Zio in general. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th I think part of it is I'm just like really passionate about it. So I'm like, I probably spend a lot of time overall just on, on one thing or the other, just because I, I, I love all of this. Uh, but I think the other thing that's nice is I think it really fits together a lot of the times where like even with some of my work with like the, the companies I'll work with, sometimes we'll run into a problem. Uh, like we, we had one where we, uh, we needed a particular operator for like a managed resource that didn't exist. And so I kind of implemented a specialized version of it for like this like company at first. And then I was like, well, you know, this would actually be really more generally useful. And so I ended up implementing a version uh, in Zio itself uh, at the open source level. And what I found is like the code that I wrote for Zio was probably better code because one, it had to be more general because it couldn't know about like that exact specific mm -hmm. problem that company had. It had to just know about like, well, there's an R and there's an E and there's an A. And that I think made me do that code in a more general way. And then I also knew like I was going to be getting people like John who like really know this stuff to be like revealing it and I'm like, okay, I really got to make sure I'm handling like interruption and finalization and all this stuff. Yeah. And so we got it into Zio and then it was really easy to like, oh, well, I went back to that company's code base and now I use the operator from Zio and then it's better all around because for the company, they have like less maintenance and less code of their own that they're responsible for and they get the benefit of this thing that other people are using as well so i think that's kind of the best when it feeds back and forth or we've had other cases where like some of these companies like they just do things at a very large scale and that creates different challenges that maybe you wouldn't see if you weren't using these like data structures at that scale and so that's like really good feedback that then lets us like go back and make what we're doing more efficient and more scalable and that's really what i get excited about because i want to write like the best software i can yeah this is uh, uh very nice because uh like it's uh, two in one maybe or maybe more than two in one <laughs> uh, that you are working uh, on that at the same time you are also uh, improving the library that other people will benefit from that and this is uh, very cool. And uh, like in general, there are like, for example, for me, I'm using also Zio every day. And if I would ask in the channel, I appreciate that you really help us. Uh, this is part of your job or it is you that it's your choice to do that? Um, I, I mean, I think it's. I'm not sure there's that much of a difference between them because I just I really yeah, <laughs> I really love what I do. So it kind of all comes together. I mean, you know, it's not any part of my like I guess formal responsibilities, but it's something that's important to me. And I, I think part of what I really like now is just everything kind of fits together very nicely. And I don't have to think about that much because most of like the things that I like have to do are also the things that I want to do, which yeah. is 
the ideal. And uh, like uh, you say with me many times, I remember uh, it was in Zio test. There was uh, something that was tricky to find out. And I asked you and I really appreciated. I got a quick uh, answer and uh, I quickly uh, fixed that. And I appreciate that in the channel, in um, a Zio community in Discord, I think that it's really friendly. I also worry about asking questions since the beginning until today, but uh, I really appreciate that um, like no one would make me embarrassed. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess another thing of like, I say like, don't be, don't be embarrassed asking like questions on these like channels, because if anything, I think sometimes if you're well, just in general, if you have questions, you ask it, especially if you're like newer you sometimes have the most valuable perspective because if someone is like, has been doing like, I mean, for me, like I'm like super deep into Zio. So like, I like know all this stuff, but like, it may be like something's like not really clear to other people, but like, I, I don't really see that because I'm so into it. And so if you're like the newer person, you have that like beginner's perspective that like can actually be like the most valuable, like, Hey, this thing isn't clear to me, or this could be simpler. Exactly. So, like, I really like encourage people to like ask that stuff, and I think it also goes back to that idea of responsibility. Like, I think you're exactly right that like most people, like, when they have a question about Zio, it's not because they're just like doing something on the weekend. It's because like they're using it for something on their job, and if they don't have an answer to this thing, maybe they can't do the thing that they were supposed to do for the sprint this week or whatever. And so I really like, I, I, I hope we can really answer those questions very quickly. Cause like when you're using Zio, you're, you're putting your trust in us and I don't want to let you down by like be, having Zio be the reason that like you didn't get to do the thing you wanted to do this week. Yeah. And this is really a good mindset. I think this is what uh, makes Zio friendly. You also uh, give uh, talks uh, in different conferences and you started this since you started contributing on Zio, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my first talk was at Functional Scala, I guess, 2019. Yeah, it was my one on Zio test. The, I think our first time you and I got to meet in, in person yeah. in London. Uh, and, then we, and then, yeah, I did a couple of talks after that. We did, we did our talk together about fibers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a very awesome experience. And uh, you inspire me a lot, really. Well, you, you inspire me and a lot of other people I know. Thank you. And uh, about uh, your book with John Douglas? Yeah, we, we've got a book, uh, Zionomicon, that's got uh, kind of all the details of Zio and really like walks you through everything. And uh, yeah, it's available online. We're continuing to add stuff to it because we've kind of gone from Zio 1 to Zio 2 and we're adding more content for that. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think some people learn different ways. So for some people, just like they do the website and they do their own projects and that's great. There's a bunch of videos that like John's done or like I've done or you've done some, uh, but the book is maybe if you like feel like you want more of that, just like textbook type experience. Yeah, uh, yeah it's another great resource for that. Obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but I, I check it yeah, out. <laughs> I highly recommend that. It's really uh, cover everything uh, in Zio and this is great. Yeah. Nice. And uh, for people who, for example, would like to start giving talks, 
I, I think it's very important step to have a specific project that you master some part of it, so you would like to present, etc. But do you have some um, like a guidance for people who are interested to make this step to uh, start giving talks in uh, a specific uh, uh, community, uh, Java community or Scala or any? other uh, tech communities? Yeah, well, I, I think that the first thing is what you hit on, which I think is really important is like develop some expertise. And I think that's something that sometimes I, I see new contributors maybe not doing as much as they could. Uh, I see some people who like they contribute to a project and they kind of, they do one little pull request for one thing and one pull request for another thing and one pull request for something else. And that, that, that's fantastic. And you're definitely gonna learn from that. But I think sometimes what you can learn the most from is if you pick like one thing and it doesn't have to be that big of a thing initially, but you pick one thing, maybe you say like stream merging operators. I'm gonna make these stream merging operators like the best stream merging operators they can possibly be. And you're the one who's gonna like, you're gonna work on that. And if there are issues with that, you're gonna fix those issues. And if people have questions about that, you're gonna answer those questions. And if those inspire you to say, well, we could use some additional feature, you're going to add that additional feature and kind of pick something that like, I, I would call it like take ownership of, even though obviously open source, it's not like actually yours, but take responsibility for it. Uh, and I think that's really going to give you like a, a strong basis to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, so that would be like point one. I think point two would be like, don't be afraid of giving the talk. I think it can seem like very intimidating sometimes of like, boy, these people are like experts and they know so much and I don't know as much as them and I don't have a PhD or whatever and like not do it. And I think the reality is that these conferences, I think generally are like looking for content. And if you have a talk, just by submitting it, you have a pretty good likelihood of being able to talk at it. And especially if you like make some kind of human connection. So I think that's maybe another thing is like, don't just like, especially if you're newer, maybe don't just like submit the talk and like send it to the forum and like be done, but maybe reach out to the organizers and say like, hey, I'm a newer person. I haven't spoken before. I'd really be excited about this being the first conference that I speak at. I'm happy to take any advice about what I could do to make this a better talk for you. If you want to do any prep with me beforehand, like just having like this like personal connection. And I think a lot of people in the open source community are like looking to like mentor people and bring additional people in. So if you can just even establish that like basic connection, I think that will help you out. And, especially if you've done that first thing, if you've like been contributing to some kind of community, then like people in that community may know you and it may be like very easy where like, you know, if now if you wanna submit a talk to a Zio conference and you know, you've been working with John or you've been working with me or you've been working with you, we kind of already like, even if you haven't spoken before, we kind of know you and we're gonna be looking for opportunities for you. Um, and then I think third point would be Think about the audience as you're like creating your proposal and you're like working on your talk of, I think one thing that can sometimes be challenging is when you're like preparing these talks, you know so much about this and you're like passionate about like every little aspect of your problem. But the reality is most people probably 
don't know as much about this, like they're like, just want to solve their overall problem, right? Like maybe you've done all these details to make this like concurrent operator like better, but they kind of don't care about the details. They just want to like offer and take values from their queue or do whatever they do with that like structure. And so like put yourself in like their perspective of like, what's, what do they care about and what do they need to know? And don't like assume uh, a lot of knowledge from them of like the talks. Like I think there's a temptation to use the talk to make yourself seem smarter and don't do that. Like use the talk as an opportunity to make them smarter. And if you do that, then they'll appreciate you and you'll kind of indirectly get that credit, but don't just be like, oh, I'm going to show you, I know all these things. Amazing advice. I really like what you said. Yeah. During the conferences or the events, I think it's valuable to, for people who are new in tech, in specific uh, community, it's valuable to join the events, etc., and about the human connection, as you said, make connections and uh, participating in events to also interact with different companies for that. So for people also who are looking for jobs, I think it's also a good way to go. Yeah. To events. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's nicer now is most events today are either entirely or at least optionally virtual, which you know, in a way is sad that like there's COVID and it's harder to get together. But I think it's also has a little bit of a benefit of creating more fairness in a way. Because like when I, I know when I was starting off, like some of those conferences before the pandemic and everything could be like a thousand, two thousand dollars to go. And especially if you if you're already in the industry, typically like your company's paying for you and it doesn't matter, you don't even think about it. But if you're like trying to get in, you're like, hey, like I'm not I'm I'm getting no money from this. Like I'm already probably investing some money in just like taking classes or books or things. Like I don't have this money to just for like a couple days that I don't know what's gonna happen with, even though it can be really valuable. And so I, I think it could sometimes be kind of exclusionary. Um, and plus there's just like the travel and the hotel cost, right? Of like, I'm gonna pay for this conference. I got to fly there. I got to like get a hotel. And so I think it's in a way there's, there's a silver lining to what's happened of now, generally like whoever you are, you can go to one of these conferences and it's probably not quite as good as meeting in person, but you still get to be part of it and hear the talks and, be part of all of those chat channels and kind of build from there. So hopefully we can we can keep doing that because I think that has some benefits. Yeah. And I think uh, now it's uh, started a bit to get back uh, that there will be like on-site conferences like uh, Functional Scala happened. But I like the idea how in that conference they were both um, on-site and online. And yeah. Yeah, because we got to remember it's a it's a global community day. So like even I mean, London's relatively central, but like we have people who are in South Korea or something like they may just not be able to make it to London on like that particular day. So it's really nice for inclusivity to be able to have people join remotely as well. And we've also been doing more like scholarships where we do like free tickets or we can like help pay for travel costs or things like that. So hopefully we can keep doing that and do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciated the initiative of uh, 
uh, Scala Africa that uh, Zyberj yeah. participate on and uh, like uh, in the fu functional Scala they offered to a lot of people um, to uh, attend uh, the conference for free and I was happy that some of my colleagues in Tunisia took that opportunity. It was nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Before wrapping up, like, is there something that you would like to share? I think we covered just about everything. I think maybe just what I would emphasize is that idea of like ownership of like, I think sometimes there can be like a sense of almost like entitlement in like open source of like, well, I'm giving this stuff away for free and you should be so grateful for me. And you know, you should thank me for anything I do and you shouldn't expect me to do anything because I'm not getting paid for it. And I, I kind of think that's the wrong attitude that like the right attitude is more one of like gratitude and responsibility of like, you're putting your trust in me by like using this software that I wrote for your business or for whatever you're doing. And I've got to live up to that trust by writing high quality stuff by answering your questions by adding more features by fixing bugs like that's kind of that's the ownership that i take even though obviously it, i don't own the i'm not going to charge you for it i don't own it that way but ownership is in responsibility of like i i'm going to own this problem i'm going to own solving it and you can count on me um and i think that attitude of like Humility is, is really important. And also, I think something that I try to think about even just when I'm like answering the questions and stuff, because you like you want to tell them, well, here's like people like, well, here's like the way it is. But sometimes they're like, well, you know, I don't like the way it is. And <laughs> you want to kind of have the right balance of like really being open to that of like, maybe there's like a reason you did it the way you did it. And like, it doesn't work to do it this other way. But like, you really want to think about, well, like, hold on, they're saying this doesn't work for them. Is there some other way that we should be doing this that would make it better, either in the way we're communicating or in the way that we're like writing the software? Um, so I think having that like sense of humility is also important. Yeah, it's very important. And this is like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, it makes a Zio community very friendly and encouraging to people, even the, there are people who uh, just started learning about Scala and they got motivated to start by with Zio because they know there are people out there are helping. Before we finish, uh, do you have uh, an advice you'd like to share or uh, is there something that you wished you have known before when you were younger, you would have... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I, know I, that. <laughs> I, I wish I started doing all this earlier because it's so great and I wish I had more years to do it. Um, but I think the other thing I would say is just get involved and ask for help. So like I saw someone the other day who like they were just getting started with Scala and they wrote on one of the forums like, hey, I'm just getting started with Scala. Like I'd really like to get involved. I'd like some resources and like we immediately kind of came and said well we got these upcoming trainings and we can offer you like free chance to like go to them and i think like all of these communities whether it's zio or it's something in another language they're they're generally looking for people to get involved so like just if you like come to one of these forums and you say like hey like i'm like getting started on this i'm interested in getting involved 
what can I do to learn? What can I do to help on? Like, that's going to like take you pretty far, assuming like people are then going to come to you and they're going to say, well, you can work on this, you can work on this. And you've actually got to do some of that work, which is, <laughs> is both the, <laughs> the opportunity and the work, but like, that's going to get you really far. So like, don't just be kind of an anonymous person, like raise your hand and say like, hey, I'm starting out, I'm learning, I want to get involved in this. And that'll just start to like get people around you who are going to try to help you get there. Yeah. Yeah, this is, and also it will make it feel that uh, the, the newcomers are included. It's like it's building an inclusive environment and welcoming environment for them. Yeah, and, and it's really important for the long term because no matter what people are going to, some people who are actively contributing are going to be less active for a period of time. Maybe they'll just like, they have other life things go on, they get a new job, they have a baby, whatever, and they're going to kind of not be involved at least for a while. And so it's really important to kind of keep getting new people in so that you continue to have contributions and you get new perspectives. And yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, yeah that's true. I really enjoyed our conversation, Adam. Thanks me a lot. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure. It's inspiring to learn about Adam's journey and how much contributing in open source projects and interacting with people in the same tech community can help us to learn faster and to get more and more opportunities. My friends, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode with Adam and that you also got inspired by him. Thanks a lot for your listening. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tick-tack, tackle the inspiration.